If you'll open your Bible to the gospel of, uh, well, before you do that, you're in Psalms, turn over to the right and you'll be in Proverbs and then work your way through Proverbs and you'll be in the book of Ecclesiastes. And I'm doing the very same thing because it's kind of where I want to begin tonight. Then I've got to hasten to get over in the gospel of John and deal with what we're going to deal with. But I promise you, you'll leave tonight glad you came. Father, bless us now as we look at something tonight that if we're not a Christian, we'll see why we don't have what we're going to talk about. If we are a Christian and we'll be honest and say, you know, I don't exactly experience what the pastor is showing us in the Bible here. Not as much as I feel like I once did or much as I want to. Well, then God, I pray the Holy Spirit tonight will help us see why that's true. So help us as we think about how to be God fully and forever satisfied. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, you know, many people, I really believe, uh, live their whole life and they never really are fully satisfied. And actually, the Bible teaches us that. In fact, that's why I asked you to open your Bible to the book of Ecclesiastes. If you look in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 in verse number 8, the Bible says, The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. Now, let me read that out of the New Living Translation. It says, Everything is wearisome beyond description. Well, that's, a, that's a sad but true thought. No matter how much we see, we're never satisfied. No, how much we hear, we're not content. You know, many people just aren't satisfied in life, and they try this and they try that, and sometimes we've all maybe done that to some degree or another. Uh, but, but to me, uh, and the whole book of Ecclesiastes teaches that. In fact, if you look down in verse 14, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, uh, Solomon said, I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and indeed all is vanity and grasping for the wind. And as you read through the book of Ecclesiastes, he's, he's talking about all these things he tried to find satisfaction and joy in life. And he said, you know, the end of the story is in all of that, that I had the resources to do and the power to have, none of that, all of that put together. It was like trying to grasp the wind. It was just chasing the wind. Vanity of vanity. Empty. Well, the truth is, that's kind of how the world is out here. They just people, just for whatever reason, they just, you know, the joy is not there. Sometime in all of our lives, that's, I'm sure it's true. Sometimes in my life, I just don't feel the joy of the Lord as much as I do at other times. And we all can relate to that. Well, you know, if you take your bulletin, I want to mention real quickly, thing. one of the reasons is many people look to the world's sources for satisfaction and joy. And I wish you'd just write the little word worlds down in your bulletin. You know, many people live their whole life. Now, they may not realize what they're doing. And we, any of us could do that. You just live your life looking at what I would just call the world's plural, sources, plural, to find satisfaction and joy. And, you know, I just jotted down some little things in my little notes as I was thinking about that, like wealth, fame, worldly pleasure, human love. And, you know, the list goes on. The problem of these, none of these fully satisfy, and none satisfy forever. None satisfy very long. 
You say, what do you mean? Well, all these different sources. I mean, wealth can be here today, gone tomorrow. Fame, you know. Well, fame's a vanishing thing, you know. Today, Dottie and I mentioned, uh, uh, we mentioned Roger Staubach, who used to be quarterback of Dallas Cowboys. I spend, that's been eons ago. Well, you've got to be talking to somebody on up in years to even remember who Roger Staubach was or is. He's still living. But a fine Christian and, uh, you know, did well with the Dallas Cowboys, but he's, his, his, you know, today he's done well in a lot of other ways. But I mean, like, you know, it's, it's somebody else today and 10 years now it'll be somebody else then. That's how it goes. Uh, worldly pleasure, human love, none of that. Well, now, you know, many people, though, they look to life's sources, plural, for satisfaction and joy. They don't just look to the world's sources. They look to life. So, for example, they say, well, you know, if, if I'm having good health, I'm going to be, I'm going to live my life happy and satisfied and joy. Well, that's true. But the problem is <laughs> that's not reality. You know, the, out here, we talk about all these people in the hospital, these people going through all this stuff. I mean, you know, it's just, you know, the, the human body will not always be the same. And, and so, you know, possessions, uh, things going their way. Well, sure, you know, when things are going our way, we're happy, full of joy and satisfied. But the, the truth is things don't always go our way. They really don't. Uh, friends say, listen, I'm going to look to, and many people do this. Many people, they just have kind of a little holy huddle. And, and as long as that holy huddle can, you know, they do stuff together. There's nothing wrong with having a holy huddle and doing stuff together. But, but here's the deal. A friend's here today, gone tomorrow. You know, uh, Dottie and I, some of the dearest friends we ever had are with the Lord. We've outlived our friends. It's really sad. There was a little group of preachers that, of us that went through seminary together, a small group, uh, that had made a pact. And the pact was that we, we would, if, if, we share, you know, if one of us died first, the others would participate in the funeral. We was planning our own funeral in seminary. <laughs> well, you know, well, I'm all that's left. The packs died. And um, so I think I'll just live on, solve that problem. But anyway, um, family, you know, many people, that's the, you know, family is just, uh, you know, you can, make, you can make family God. Now, family is important, but family is not God. No, no, no. You, you put your family before God, you may one day regret that. I mean, that's it. You know, God's first. And then if God's first, family will be where they should be. But here's the deal about family. They don't always, they're not always there either. They're not always there either. Daddy reminded me today. Today is, is my mother's birthday. And she remembered that, and I didn't remember that. She, she's good at keeping up with that kind of thing. Uh, and she was telling me today something she prayed. It touched my heart. Well, you know. But my mother's gone. My dad's gone. Her mom's gone. Her dad's gone. Both of her brothers are gone. Okay. Family. Family here. Family gone. So I'm just saying, if we say, okay, what I'm going to do, I'm going to find my satisfaction, joy, and life in, in my family. That's it. Well, it'll be, it won't be forever. 
because they'll move on in life and things will just change and, and it's none of that uh, satisfies for long. Now our scripture tonight, this is the exciting thing, it shows us clearly, listen carefully, the source, singular, if you look back at your bulletin, you wrote, you wrote, you see the word sources, that's plural. You wrote the word worlds and, and life. But it's, no, the, the, the one place to turn to have satisfaction and joy that is lasting, it's singular, it's not plural. It's not like a, going through a cafeteria line. And we see it tonight in the Gospel of John. So I want you to turn me in the Gospel of John in chapter number four, if you will. And I'm going to do the very same thing in my Bible. John chapter number four. And we're going to just be blessed as we look at our scripture. Now, let me first just read John chapter four. And let me read these, these verses, one through 14. And we're going to kind of focus in on a thing or two. Now, before I read them, let me just say a little quick word or two. Um, and most of you would know this. As you read the Gospel of John, it's interesting that John's, John's name never appears in the Gospel. Uh, he refers to himself, and I'm going to be up that in just a moment. He refers to himself in another way. And, I, and I'm going to give you the verses. You may want to just jot them down and go back and study them later. But church tradition says that John, the, the Apostle John, wrote the Gospel of John. And of course, you know, he wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and he, he wrote the book of Revelation. So he's written a good bit, in, and he probably wrote it in the very latter part of his life. Now, you know, we talk about church tradition. Like, well, we have to understand that there's, there, there's information that's not inspiration, just from that has been passed down from the early church fathers and then they passed it down to others. Now one of our early church fathers was a man named Eusebius. And Eusebius was a disciple of a man named Polycarp. Maybe you've heard of Polycarp before. And Polycarp was a disciple of John. And so Eusebius, based on the testimony of Polycarp, based on what he knew as a disciple of John, said that John wrote this gospel. That's where church tradition has, has said that to us, and that, that he wrote it in Ephesus. Now, that becomes important in just a moment. Let me just begin reading. The Bible says in John chapter 4, verse 1, Now, that, now therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made him baptize more disciples than John, Though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, now watch this, being wearied from his journey, sat down thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Now, I'm not going to belabor what I'm going to share with you, but it's, I think it's very, very important. Now, you may have footnotes in your Bible say, you know, normally every time that verse is read, we always say, well, that means it was high noon. Well, what we know is, though, if church fathers are correct, and John did write this gospel, and he did write this gospel, 
uh, over in Ephesus, then they wouldn't be going by Jewish time. It'd be going by Roman time. And so the way they would keep time would be like we keep time. Like we go from morning to noon and noon to midnight, a.m., p.m. So if that be the case, it would have been like uh, it would have been 6 o'clock in the evening at the end of the day. Now, you know, that, that's just something for you to consider. But it is interesting. The Bible says Jesus became wearied from his journey. Let, let me remind you, you know, John chapter 1, verse 14 said, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So when Jesus left heaven, when God left heaven, wrapped himself in human flesh, he became the God-man, meaning he was fully God and fully man. And so being fully man, the, the humanity of Christ would, would have wearied him just like your humanity and mine would weary me. That, to me, that's a very key verse to remind me that Jesus, as the God-man, you know, the Bible teaches, as he was tempted to every point as are we, he identifies with what we struggle with. So whether it's noon or whether it's 6 o'clock at night, uh, Jesus was weird and tired and wanted some water. And a woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask, ask uh, of, of me a Samaritan woman? Jews had nothing to do with Samaritans. And a man would never just speak to a woman alone like that. And, and that's why she's questioning him. She said, Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you, knew who, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Now, let's go to verse 11. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Now watch verse 14. Jesus said, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of everlasting life. And we're going to be dealing with that verse tonight. Now, I want to give you something to jot down just to think about a little. I said earlier that John's name never appears in this gospel. John, in this gospel, refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And if you'll act interested, I'm going to put on the screen where you find those verses. Would you all have any interest in that whatsoever? All right. Turn over in chapter 13. We're going to come back to this uh, 14th verse. Turn over in chapter 13. You ought to just jot this down. We'll have to do it kind of quickly. But if you go to chapter 13 and look in verse 23, they're in the upper room, and it says, Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. John's referring to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, go to chapter 19. Now, you can jot these down and mark them later in your Bible. But go over in chapter 19. And, uh, and look with me in verse number 26. Chapter 19, verse 26, Jesus up on the cross, uh, and uh, it says, When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved. John's talking about himself again. Look in chapter 20, in verse number 2. 
at the empty tomb. It, let's go to verse 1. The first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to, uh, went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw the stone had been rolled away. Then she, said, then she ran and came to Simon Peter and said to the other disciple, that doesn't name the other disciple yet, Watch this, whom Jesus loved. And then, if you will, just going over in chapter 21, here's that breakfast by the sea chapter. It's one of my favorite places in the Holy Land. <laughs> if you look down verse 7, it talks about this disciple whom Jesus loved. And then the same chapter, chapter 21, look down in verse 20, uh, the disciple whom Jesus loved. So John refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. I always enjoy reading, uh, you know, why John never identified himself. And it probably the truth is he was so well known that he wouldn't have had to identify himself. But, you know, some say, well, he was too humble to identify himself. I want to go back in chapter 20. I want to show you a verse. By the way, what I'm showing you has, at this point, nothing to do with my Bible study. Okay. But it's fun. Do you not mind just seeing fun things along the way? Do you? Look, I'm on this deal about, well, John was just too humble to mention his name. Well, now let's just look at this deal. Let's just go. Chapter 20, verse 1, I just read it. Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb, still dark. Stones rolled away. She ran to Simon Peter, the other disciple, whom Jesus loved, and said to them, she said to Peter and this other disciple, to John, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb. And we don't know where he is. Look at verse 3. Peter, therefore, went out. And the other disciple, that'd be John. Okay, the other disciple were going to the tomb. They both ran together. Now look at this. The other disciple outran Peter. and John wasn't 100% humble, was he? He was in a foot race with old Peter, and he wants us to know I beat Peter. It has nothing to do with my Bible. Wasn't that interesting? Did y'all enjoy that? Now go back to chapter 4, and let's zero in on this number 14, verse 14, because here, here is the deal. Jesus is talking about, he's talking about this, uh, this living water. Now the question is, what is this living water? Look at it again. Jesus says, whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Well, what is this water? Well, if you read commentaries, you'll have all kind of answers. Now, let me encourage you. Don't stop studying. Don't stop reading. But remember this. A commentary is just the comment whoever wrote that commentary on what that scripture passage means. So you're just getting the opinion, maybe of more than one person, whatever. But the best commentary on the Bible is the what? Oh, thank you. Y'all make an A over here. Somebody over here at that thing. The best commentary on the Bible, seriously, is the Bible. Now, someone says, well, what is this? What is this living water? Well, turn over in John chapter 7. Because the Bible tells us exactly what it is. We don't have to go get a commentary to figure this out. Look in John chapter 7. Let's go to verse 37. John 7 verse 37. It says, On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. What Jesus said is, if, if, if you find yourself out here in a spiritual desert, you feel like uh, at this time in your life, spiritually, you're parched. Solution, come to me. Verse 38, Jesus said, He who believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Somebody says, what is it? 
Well, it's the Holy Spirit. Look in verse 39. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, uppercase S, talking about the Holy Spirit, whom those believing in him, if you're saved tonight, this is you. Those believing in him, what? They would receive it. So when we became a believer, what did we do? We received the Holy Spirit. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified, meaning that is he was not yet crucified and resurrected. That's what that's talking about. So we go back over here in John chapter 4. Now this to me is the exciting part of this whole deal. <laughs> the, the source of satisfaction and joy is not going to come from the world it's not going to come from life. It's going to come from within. You stop and think about this moment. You have within you, and I have within me, the source to produce satisfaction and joy in your life, for you, my life, for me, whatever I go through and wherever I go. And where is it? within my own self. It's within you. It's there. Now you say, well, I don't feel that. Well, okay, we'll deal with that quickly in a moment while you might not, if that be the case. So as Christians, you know, we, we, we've got quite a deal. Within our own selves is the source. What is that source? It's the Holy Spirit that produces satisfaction and joy in life. Now, as, as I think about that, I, I, I think about like tonight. Now, it well may be, it could be, that some here tonight would say, well, you know what? I just don't feel like that I have any source of joy and satisfaction springing up in me like Jesus talking about here. I mean, it seems like just something hasn't clicked. Well, now, number one, there, there's some reasons for that. One reason would be if a person's not a Christian, they will never experience that level of life because they do not have living within them the Holy Spirit to produce that level of life. Now, some people are just very optimistic people, and they have a good outlook on life, and that works well as long as life's going well. But the reality is life doesn't forever always earthly go well. Things do happen, and you need more than a positive attitude. I mean, you can just get up and say, it's going to be a good day. That's a good way to begin the day. But it, it might turn out, if, all, if you're going to try to get through every day just on psyching yourself up, listen, there's a better way. There's a way that lasts. There's a way that works. And what is it? It's to have the Holy Spirit living within you because He in you produces this living water and this life and this joy and that satisfaction. Now, for most here tonight and listening as well, watching as well, you might say, well, wait a minute. I, I, I am a Christian. I, I know I'm a Christian. And there have been times in my life where I have felt more joy than I do now. But, you know, it's 
there's something not right. Well, let me, let me give you real quickly a couple of things at this point. Now, I'm talking to Christian people, and, I, and I'm saying to you as I say to myself, I have within me the source to give me satisfaction and joy in life, whatever I go through, and so do you. You say, but I don't, I'm not experiencing that. What's the deal? Well, one is, if a person neglects the daily power from God's Word, they'll run dry. Now, you need to hear that. You say, I expected you to say that. You're a preacher. Well, I'm glad you expected me to say that because I should say it because I am a preacher. But it's true whether I'm a preacher or not. The fact is, your vehicle will not run without fuel. And if we think that we can live our life in the joy of the Lord with that source of the Holy Spirit that we have within, producing us satisfaction and joy, and, and we just neglect daily putting God's Word in our mind, our heart. No, we just, we just ignore it. Well, you can do that for a while, but it won't be long till things will be different. And that well may be. Some of you tonight, I encourage you, if you're not reading your Bible every single day, and you don't have to read 10 chapters, understand what you read and ask God's Holy Spirit to help you to apply it to your life. Now, you say, well, I'm doing that. Well, I still don't feel fully satisfied and filled with joy. What it, could it be? I know I'm saved. Well, maybe something in your life is grieving the Holy Spirit. You just have to ask yourself. Now, God, show me, is there something in my life that would grieve your spirit? Or Maybe it's something in your life that quenches the Holy Spirit. You might write these Bible verses down. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 talks about grieving the Holy Spirit. Now, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19 talks about quenching the Holy Spirit. You know, like a fire in a fireplace. Uh, of course, where we live, we don't have, you know, we have gas fireplaces, not many wood fireplaces you see today, but for those of us who have been raised in that part of the uh, country, world, well, we well remember wooden fireplaces. But, you know, here's the deal about a wooden fireplace. Uh, that fire can be strengthened or that fire can be quenched. And the same thing happens to Christian people. And it could be that things in our life uh, well may be. Now, you know, that verse in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19, short verse, do not quench the spirit. Now, the verses leading up to that verse tell what happens if a person is not quenching the Spirit. It says they'll rejoice always. <laughs> they'll pray without ceasing. And in everything, they'll be giving thanks. Now, that's the different culture that a person experiences that lives their life without quenching the Holy Spirit. And just like you can put a fire out, the fire in your heart for God can be, can be quenched, can be put out. A lot of things can do that. And so I just encourage you, you know, we all want to live life satisfied and live life, you know, satisfied in Jesus. That, that's a great old song. Well, it works. And, of course, I know you know it works. You, you're at church on Wednesday night. But, you know, sometimes we need to, just because we've been a Christian a long time and Maybe you've read the Bible much and all that, but I'm telling you, every day is a new day with God. Every day I need to, I need to refuel, and you need to refuel.
or I'll just, I'll just be living on whatever I can produce. And after a while, there's no more of me left. There'll be no more of you left. And the sad thing is, I, I see many Christian people that are, that are good people. They, they've grown cold toward the things of God. He, he's not their joy like he once was. Well, we need to pray for them. But I'm not talking to them, but I'm talking to you. Don't let that happen to you. Every day, get reconnected. Get refueled. Ask God's Holy Spirit to show you anything that in your life that could be grieving or quenching the Holy Spirit. 